Welcome, everyone. We're glad you're joining us today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. Today, we've got Pastor Matt with us to talk and answer questions about the sermon on Sunday. And also, we're going to pivot a little bit from that today and talk about uh, Glorious Design, the series that's coming up. My name is Tori. I'm your host for today. Let's unpack that. So you mentioned on Sunday, again, that I just want to clarify this. Sure. Again, that um, the words you used were when people kind of gather together solely based on age and stage of life, that it isn't a biblical community. And what I want to clarify, does that mean it's unbiblical? Like, should we have cause for alarm? Um, I just, I want to kind of pick your brain on that one. Sure. No, I'm not saying it's necessarily unbiblical. I'm not even saying there's necessarily anything wrong with it. I'm simply saying it it has no way to be a true gospel witness because it is able to be explained on solely human terms. Okay. People, uh, people share affinity based on age, like you said, or stage of life, or shared hobby, mm-hmm. or shared experience, or shared passions. Um, so all of those can explain why these people are together and why they're doing life together in a way gotcha. that does not need the Holy Spirit. It doesn't need a redemptive experience in Christ. It doesn't need a work of God to happen. Mm-hmm. And so all of that is, it's um, it's natural, normal. There's nothing wrong with it. Right. But it does not bear the image of a Christ-formed community. Okay. So when you see the New Testament... They're so it was the the church in the New Testament is uh, unexplainable apart from the power of the gospel, right? Because those classes and those colors and those different kinds of people they would just not and genders they would not have been together doing what they were doing together, right? Without that experience. Well, and what I'm realizing is so it doesn't invalidate maybe God moving and speaking through like a mom of little kids thing, but it's unbiblical in the sense that the community itself can't be explained by the gospel. Like God may still work through it, yes. but the fact that these people are coming together is not evidence. Yeah, and and I would even I would probably be hesitant to say it is unbiblical. I would just say that the the biblical picture we do have mm-hmm. is more than that. Right. Right. It's more than that. Um, even from the very beginning with the disciples that Jesus chose, they right. would not those guys would not have been together. Right. Was it not for the work of God? And so I think for for the church to to be a witness to what the gospel does in the lives of people, mm-hmm. um, that that happens as people cross all kinds of barriers and boundaries, drawn together primarily by the gospel. It doesn't mean that we don't uh, secondarily have other other things at play. I mean that's natural. We right. become friends, but again, that's natural. Right. That doesn't need the gospel. It doesn't need a faith experience. It doesn't need. Any of that. Well, and I guess my question would be is, so the gathering of people who are like-minded, that's natural. That's not explained by the gospel. But does that invalidate maybe gospel work happening with that group of people? So say I'm with a group of moms and the Lord frees me from something in that group that's not invalid because it's a group of women. So the gospel, you know... I think what I'm hearing you say is that it's most evident when people who are not alike are doing that growing together. Yes, and I would I would go further. I would say it really is only evident to the outside world because mm-hmm. the outside world can look in and see a little group of moms meeting together and say, of course, moms meet together, jogging groups meet together, um, fitness groups meet together, uh, reading groups meet together. Mm-hmm. That's very natural. That doesn't say anything to us about God. It doesn't say anything to us about the gospel. Um 
We, we understand that. It doesn't mean that God doesn't work in that way um, for sure. But this is part of what, and what I would say is, this is part of what separates the church from parachurch kinds of things. That's right. why your involvement with crew on your campus or with Young Life or with um, some other Christian-based organization right. uh, that may be doing great work in your town is not the church. Yeah. They, they cannot do what the church can do in terms of breadth and depth of relationship. Yeah. Um, and that very breadth and depth of relationship gives a witness to the world yeah. that demands an explanation. It calls for an explanation. Yeah. So, no, it certainly doesn't invalidate any work, and it doesn't invalidate the need that we have sometimes based on an experience that we're going through or right. a season of life to be in groups with other people who are going through that, um, right. bringing ourselves underneath the, the authority of God's Word and, and His love. So I think I think what my what I'm thinking is, and I'm not pushing back. I just no, sure, yeah. Sure. I'm just I feel like this might be a question. So gathering in the name of Jesus is obviously going to elicit some discomfort when we are not seeing the whole kingdom represented, right? Yes. So it should. If we are gathered in the name of Jesus, we should start to see the kingdom's probably not going to look like just me, right? right. So right. it should be diverse in a sense. But if if we're at a place where we gather in the name of Jesus, and it happens to be all women of young kids. And I keep saying that because that's my stage. Of life. That's your stage, sure. Um, so that's the only thing my brain is going to. Do you not think that there are supernatural occurrences that might even be evident to the world happening among that group of women? No, there there can be. I'm yeah. just saying the world looking in can't explain that. Okay, 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 okay. The only thing that can't explain is this kind of community, again, if we go back to the New Testament that we right, see, right. where all categories and classes of people were crossing the boundaries yeah. that existed in their societies in ways that were that were inexplainable mm-hmm. apart from the gospel. Yeah. And that's why we talked about early on out of uh, the first chapter of the book that um, we referenced in this series, gospel. Both are both have gospel attached to the name when we talk about communities. Right. One is a gospel plus community. Mm-hmm. It's not saying the gospel's not there. It's saying it's there, but something else has to be too. Okay. Um, versus a gospel revealing community. That right. By the very nature of the kinds of people that are drawn together yeah. out of deep love for God and an awareness of what God has done in their lives, that creates a different, and I will say, I do believe that creates a different level and depth of discipleship mm. than anything that can be created when we're simply gathering with people like us. Yeah. So I do believe that's true, and it certainly gives a different power for evangelism yeah. and witness to the world than anything that can uh, be explained when they simply look in and go, this makes sense. This is how the rest of the world works. Right. Based on affinity and stage of life, that's how everything else works. Yeah. That's good. Um Okay, so I want to pivot from the sermon just a little bit and something that you talked about within the sermon. So we've got this series coming up, Glorious Design, and I've talked with a few people, and there's some major hesitancy on the topic of, what is it, uh, marriage, gender, and human yep. sexuality, yep. right? Yes. Um, as most believers just don't know what to do with this, and we're pummeled with it all the time. I want you to talk a little bit about what you're going to address and glorious design and who it's for. Um, yeah, let's just start there. Okay. Yeah. So obviously, this is um, our culture is inundated with this. The last decade has um, been absolutely disorienting uh, yeah. to a lot of Bible believing uh, followers of Jesus. And I think we're in a moment right now in history and in our culture that we are not theologically prepared um, mm. to live in. We our roots are not deep enough. Most, most of us who've grown up in the church, what we are most familiar with 
are Bible stories and and verses that say thou shalt and thou shalt not. Right. But when it comes to how and why marriage is defined a certain way, it's very hard for us to think theologically about that, to start with Genesis 1 Mm -hmm. and to take Genesis 1 and to take Paul's statements about God's relationship and Christ's relationship to his church and and be able to theologically say um, how that impacts what uh, a marriage is and who it is that have to come together, the kinds of people that have to come together to make a marriage. And so my my heart with Glorious Design is to simply um, set all of the cultural narrative that's going on in our country right now that we're all hearing, we're all seeing, mm-hmm. um, we're we're inundated with it, to set it within a, a gospel lens, a framework, and mm-hmm. and look for God's goodness and His instruction out of Scripture, so that we can be prepared to talk with neighbors and friends. Right and family members, and co-workers, and classmates, and speak in ways that are intelligent and sensitive, um, that are, are biblically formed and theologically formed. Uh, we tend to, when we can't do that, we tend to go to one of two extremes. We just go right along with what culture says because it feels good and it's easier. Right. It sounds just right enough mm-hmm. that we can say this has to be right, surely. Right. Or we bury our heads in the sand. We don't want anything to do with it. Um, and then when we do, we tend to respond out of frustration or anger. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really a series about the individual as much as it is a series about um, the philosophy and the ideology mm-hmm. that is growing every day in our nation and right. how it is that we confront that ideology, that philosophy. Right. Um, how do we think about it? How do we speak about it? Uh, so that's that's where we're going. And I, I look forward to it. I think it's going to be an exciting uh, four weeks. I think so too. And I think we do have a fair amount of people who either have friends who are dealing with this or family members and no one would probably say it, but we may have people who struggle with maybe same sex attraction or yes, gender identity. Sure. Um, so talk to those people, maybe people who are not sensitive culturally because they're frustrated that it's thrown on their face, but they are hurting or Mm -hmm. they are struggling and confused or they don't think they're confused. Why would they want to come and listen to what we're going to say here? I think one of the big challenges for all of us as followers of Jesus, regardless of what our particular issue is, right? We're not just sexual beings. Right. We're more than sexual beings. So when when God looks at his creation, he doesn't uh, just see human beings based on sexual inclination. Right. But part of the struggle that we all have is to believe, one, that God is good, mm-hmm. that he loves us, and that the instructions that he gives us in Scripture about life, about the way that life works... Um, not just concerning sex, concerning relationships and forgiveness and money and all kinds of things, but also including human sexuality, he gives for our good. Mm-hmm. And that the instruction that he gives is good, right, and just, and does inevitably lead to human flourishing. Mm-hmm. That's the great lie um, that, that we're tempted to believe, that that's not true, that right. God's keeping the good stuff from us um, if, we, if we follow him. So if, if I'm struggling with that, and I've got friends that are years into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is a very sensitive and very painful reality for them. Right. Um, I, I want them first to know, know the Savior who loves them so deeply, mm. who sees them for all that they are, because it really is not now. I'm saying now in our history, it's not the church that's defining them by their sexuality. Right. It is the culture and often them. 
And so we want to say, come in and and hear from the God who loves all of who you are. Right. We all have crooked ways of thinking in our minds, and we need God to straighten them out. Yeah. We just happen to exist in a place in our culture right now that that communicates two lies to us every day. One is that um, if I disagree with you, then I hate you and I can't love you. Right. And secondly, that if I care about you as a human being, I do need to affirm everything that you believe in that you do. Right. Both of those are fallacies. They're not true. Mm. Um, and so we we need to come together and let God's love and let his truth wash over us mm-hmm. um, so that we feel uh, the grace and the beauty that the gospel brings that, that leads to, to healing and acceptance in all kinds of ways Right. Um, where we just um, we're able to bring all of who we are before God and let God speak to us. Man. So this glorious design, we internally, we call this a big day. I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, February 5th is supposed to be a friend day slash big day. Can you kind of, and then we have just a little bit of time left. Can you define for us what the expectation is as members of Lost Mountain, people who may attend? Um, what is what is a big day? What does that mean? Yeah, often often the phrase big day is something we use on the back end as a staff. Right. Um, we can call them friend days. Churches have done friend days for decades and decades and decades. Uh, old school kind of congregational people that grew up in Baptist churches or others will remember high attendance Sundays okay. um, and that kind of thing. But what, l- let me give you a two-part answer. One is that when you look in Scripture and church history, God tends to do things on certain big days. He just does. Obviously, you think about Easter. Yeah. We think about Exodus. We think about um, all other days um, that we find in Scripture where God did great and dynamic things, uh, Pentecost. Mm-hmm. But throughout church history, there have been moments. And so we're not trying to um, calendar one of those. Right. Rather, just acknowledge that sometimes God shows up in powerful and dynamic ways yeah. on specific days. Okay. And people's lives are changed on those days. Mm. So we want to acknowledge that. Secondly, uh, a big day or a friend day, if you will, is just one of the ways that we can encourage um, our church members, regular attenders to sort of um, stretch and and work out their evangelistic muscles, their invitational muscles. Yeah. We're, we're often a little nervous about inviting people to friend uh, or inviting friends to church. Right. But studies show over and over and over again that people are likely to come right. to church um, even when they're not interested in church that much, when they are invited by someone they know. Right. And so what we're hoping is that uh, people are forming relationships with neighbors and people on their streets and, and coworkers and so on. And when we give them a specific day and a specific mm-hmm. time, uh, a calendar date, and we say, hey, invite all the unchurched friends that you know, um, that you have, yeah. invite unchurched family and coworkers and classmates to the kickoff of this new series right. starting February 5th. We give a specific date and time. Um, it's just a challenge. And what we're wanting to do is get as many unchurched people on campus on mm-hmm. a given Sunday as possible and just see what God does with that. Yeah. See what God does with that. It's good for us to stretch and be intentional about yeah. that. It's also important to recognize that this is a topic that everyone in the country is speaking about, and the right. church needs to be speaking into it. Mm. We need to know how to listen and how to hear through biblical lenses. We need to know how to love our neighbors, how to handle our our work lives when mm-hmm. many of us work for companies that are taking active stands that we disagree with a great deal biblically. Right. And they're not just taking the stands, they're requiring that we also take that stand now right. too. So there are a lot of levels to it, and I just feel like it's going to be a great series for people. 
And that's that's what a big day is. It's just a few times a year we kick off a new series on yeah. a specific day, and we want to challenge our people to invite as many unchurched friends as they can. That's awesome. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for being here. If you enjoyed today's conversation, share it with a friend so they can join us as we unpack more topics next week. We hope you guys have an awesome day.